0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay.
1: It's time for the ride home on the Unbridled Enthusiasm podcast with Mark Poulos.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Poulos, in the car, Johnny Russell. Hello, hello, hello and hello. (laughs) We're currently driving back from Bay Mills Resort and Casino in the Upper Peninsula
1: of Michigan, and it is shitty. Not. I wouldn't say shitty, I would say there's still two feet of snow up here, but they've plowed the road nicely, and you're going at a, oh, close to legal limit. We won't speak of that. I You can, <laughs> edit, you can edit that out.
0: I am currently speeding by six miles per hour, which I think is a normal rate of speeding. I think police allow that. Does anyone actually drive the exact speed limit?
1: I feel like well, you're a nerd if you do. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I have, uh, on occasion, if I'm if I'm not wanting to get somewhere, driven the speed limit. Exactly. And I end up getting, like, close to three miles a gallon more on my car. That's why they're there. To save us gas. Well, that's why. I mean, <laughs> but otherwise, you know, cops, they don't, they kind of care, but they don't care really
0: So, Johnny, this is your first time to the Bay Mills Resort Casino and Conference Center and Emporium. I, on the other hand, have been coming up to this casino for, I would assume, close to nine years. Wow. Yes. And this gig would always be a crowning gem in my tours going out on the road because A the money for this gig was like twice as much as a normal one nighter mm-hmm. and as you drive from Minneapolis to Brimley where the casino is you pass about seven casinos oh yeah that's true and so I would sprinkle my cash along the way <laughs> like a little Hansel and Gretel trail <laughs> Basically, on the drive up here yesterday, I was showing Johnny all the little hole-in-the-wall casinos that I would lose my
1: entire future at. That casino's got fifteen hundred. That one has twenty-five. <laughs> that one, ha- oh, that one, I, I did pretty good. I was uh, only down three hundred there.
0: But uh, Bay Mills Resort and Casino definitely takes the cake. Some of my darkest moments in my gambling career, because mm. they always asked you to come up the day before because of the weather, because it's so unpredictable. Oh yes. So I would always be there, and of course, like <laughs> you know, a normal person could leave at like five in the afternoon and get to Bay Mills around like ten thirty. And you're there for the show the next day. Yeah. But no, I would leave at like 4 a.m. on Thursday. (laughs) So I would get to Bay Mills at the exact moment I could check into my room. Well, yeah. And just really just
1: soak it all in as far as the gambling goes. Well, and here's the thing. If you were to come up here at this time of year and you don't snowmobile, I mean there's you came up a day early, you have no literally no choice but to gamble. Well, yeah, and at that time there was <clears throat> you
0: know, maybe 3 television stations on the TV. Oh
1: no. But
0: this casino will always uh, over and above it being the uh, the crux point of my addiction. <laughs> Another thing that I'll never forget about playing Bay Mills Casino was, in years past, like, when I would first come up here, like, you would get to, like, Escanaba, and you would be off the grid as far as cell phones go. So you would hit Escanaba, and then you would have no cell phone until you got to the casino, and, and I would call my family, and I would be like, I'm at the casino, I'm in room such and such, here's the 1-800 number for the casino. Because yeah. at the time, my dad was sick, and my brother was taking care of him while I w- was on the road. And so, like, they needed to be able to get a hold of me in case of emergencies. So they would always have the hotel room and, and the 1-800 number. And I'll never forget, I think it was like the fourth time I came up here, it was 4 o'clock in the morning, and my hotel phone is ringing, uh oh, and I go, what the hell, so uh, I answer the phone, and it's my brother on the other line, and he's telling me that my dad had went to sit down on the toilet, and like, sat down too hard and shattered the toilet tank. Oh no! And there was water everywhere. Uh, Like my mom couldn't turn the, couldn't figure out how to turn the nozzle off. Oh shit! And my dad was just like sitting on the toilet as water was spraying everywhere around the bathroom. Oh my god! And he had to get there and shut the water off and you know, like, drip pump the water out of the bathroom and oh. all this kind of stuff, and I'll never forget because it was four in the morning, and I can't imagine what he had to have gone through that night. So he gets through the whole thing, and I go, So is that it? <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> like, he goes, He's like, This thing broke, the water was going everywhere. I shut the water off, I pumped the water out. I cleaned up the toilet tank, we got a guy coming to put a new toilet in, I got dad out of there, I I dried him off, I dressed him up, he's in bed now, mom's okay, and I think the whole thing's been taken care of, and I was like, is that it? And he's like, you motherfucker. I was like, well, what can I do? Like, Yeah. I'm in a peninsula in northern Michigan. Like, I understand making the phone call to, like, give me an update. Yeah. But I don't know what he was looking for <laughs> from me. Oh, man, that sounds horrible. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it sucks Sucks
1: that you were there and I wasn't there, you know. It's like, yeah, anyways. Gosh. <clears throat> yeah, that's one of those things. I mean, you're ten and a half hours away. What are you gonna do? That's probably, <clears throat> I'd
0: say the, the toughest part of the traveling. Yeah. You know, is especially now with the two kids at home. If something something happens or something goes down, like it's just a helpless feeling to be,
1: you know, thousands of miles away and not able to do anything. Yeah. Well, that, that happened That happened when you and I were at uh, Hex Theater a couple of years ago.
0: Rhinelander!
1: Yeah. Yeah. My
0: daughter had to go to the emergency room. and We finished up that gem of a show next to the ice cream shop. Yep. <laughs> it dove in. there's it, there's dove into there. our windows like the Dukes of Hazard, and headed for home. Sorry to hear that the Hex Theater is no longer... Yeah, no kidding. Doing things. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I uh, feel like I'm the Grim Reaper of comedy rooms. No, a lot of times be, I go into places and
1: they shut down. Hey, let's be honest. The first show we did, there were eight people, and then, <laughs> and then the last time when we went, they they had really got it up to almost eighteen, I think. So, um, <laughs> but God bless them; they really wanted.
0: Oh, they did. They wanted comedy there so bad. <laughs> And you know when you when you work for people like that, you just want them to win so bad. Yeah, You're like God
1: damn it. Yeah, uh. it's it's yeah. hard. It's hard. It's hard. I think, and we talked about this when we were driving over here. Some of these places that want to do comedy, they so love it, but they aren't. They don't necessarily do things the right way. There are things that they don't think about that are absolutely necessary to do. They just don't get done. Yeah. Well, it's just surprising to me. Like, I've never
0: opened a small business. Like, I'm self-employed. I basically run my own business.
1: Yeah.
0: I've never created, like, a brick-and-mortar small business. But sometimes you go into these, like, mom-and-pop comedy places, and you get the feeling that they didn't do much planning past... The idea of opening a comedy club. Yeah. Like, let's open a comedy club. We'll figure the rest out later.
1: That's a great idea. I'd love to laugh. (laughs) And lose money.
0: (laughs) I just don't get it. You know, like we were talking about, should we say specifics? Um, Oh, uh, probably not. Let's say specifics. Oh,
1: you can Uh, because you don't, I still work for them.
0: (laughs) All right, we won't say specifics. We'll say they're... Well, let's, let's,
1: let's back up a let's little bit. Let's talk in broad back, terms. Let's back up. Okay, yes. Well, let's back up a little bit. You can say a lot more than I can because <laughs> you opened for Michael Carbonero. You... Well, well, well I mean, let's be honest. I mean, and I uh, have to work at bowling alleys. <laughs> Only as an opener. So... Yes. Hey, uh, anyway. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, in broad terms, one of the main things that I see from, and and I would say 90% of the places that do comedy, they don't do any advertising.
0: Yeah, that seems to be a big thing. Like I was saying yesterday, like I played this club in this small town. It was just a one-nighter and it was one of those shake your ass dance club places and they did like a one show Thursday or something, and it was packed, there was like 150, 200 people there, and it was great, and then I came back like five or six months later, and there was like three people there, and I was like, what happened? And he was like, well, we were on a good clip, and we were doing really good, so I just figured, why pay for advertising? We got word of mouth now, (laughs) and he
1: goes, that that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, and that's the and that's the thing. I think a lot of these folks um, view the, view a comedy club as a regular entity as a is like a regular bar. Where oh yeah, I'm a regular at the bar. Well, that's different than a comedy club because a comedy club you're paying extra um, and for the. And I would say probably again, you know, 8 out of 10 of the places, they're not open the rest of the time as a bar and restaurant. Yeah. You know, that's a big hindrance. If they can stay open and deal with that so that the restaurant and bar take care of the day-to-day, you know, uh, so they're not just depending on two or three days a week. To make all the money for the rest of the week. Yeah. It's just,
0: you know, it seems to be the same cycle for those comedy clubs where, you know, they come out of the gate, they're doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're paying good money to the MC, the feature, the headliner, you know, and then they have a couple bad months, so now they don't hire the MC, the... The door guy is the MC, and then they have some even worse months. And now they're hiring local features, and they're only doing Saturday now.
1: Yeah.
0: And they're bringing in guys that you know barely would have been a feature as the headliner, and the whole thing just
1: basically tanks down the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's, it's 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 hard because. You know, for the amount of time that I spent in radio, uh, I, I part of it was up in Fargo, part of it was in Rochester. Um, the reality is that when uh, Courtney's was open and just started up in uh, Fargo, up yeah. in Moorhead, I was actually working in radio up there at that time. And Wait, I would re- you know? Have I asked you this? If you knew Fred Bevel? I didn't know Fred. There was another, a younger guy, uh, that that handled a lot of stuff. It wasn't Fred, but it was, uh, and I can't think of his name. But he would he would faithfully every Friday they'd bring whoever the headliner was up, and okay. and they would do radio on. Uh, with the morning show. They'd have the the headliner in with the morning show for an extended period of time. Not some of, you know, some of the the radio that you do as a headliner is maybe three, four minutes with somebody that gets recorded and played whenever. Um, But they were literally live on with the morning show. And then they also ran actual ads, you know, advertising the show. That's one of the reasons I think... That Courtney's up in Fargo it hung around for as long as it did was because initially they had they had built ooh fox. You sure, that's a fox or a deer. Um, it looked like a bobcat. Well, maybe it was, but we'll not see him now. A bobcat? Get my gun out of the trunk. I'm I sorry. need a bobcat for my thing. Get your bobcat gun. Uh, but anyway, sorry. here's
0: here's the thing. Yes. Do you know the history of Courtney's Comedy Club, like the ups and downs?
1: I don't know the ups and downs. All I remember is when they first opened, uh, it was in a different spot than where it ended up... Yeah, so it used to be a room. Okay. That's how it started.
0: And it was in that main bar area. Yep, and it was huge. And it was fun. It it was gigantic. So, um... So they they closed it down because they either sold the hotel or remodeled the bar. hmm So it was gone for quite a long time. So Fred Bevel, who is a comic, decided to put down roots in Fargo because he had met a lady. Oh. So, and then he started on radio there. And it was like his brainchild to like resurrect Courtney's Comedy Club there. Oh. And he connected with Ken Muller, and they put it back together. But here's the funny part about the whole Fred Bevel thing. So, Fred Bevel not only was a comedian and a radio guy, you know, and he put this whole thing together. When he brought Courtney's back up, he wanted to be the house MC. Oh. Every week, he wanted to be the house MC. So, he would push the shows on the radio, and then he would come down there. I mean... It was a good pairing. The only problem was that Fred saw himself as, like, the Dean Martin of Courtney's Comedy Club. Like, he was the star. He was the reason that people were coming there. You know, the the feature and the headliner from Out of Town, they were, like, the afterthought. Like, oh. he was the main. So, what? <laughs> I, I can't remember who I was working with. But we got there, and I had met Fred at a different time and you know we're just chatting before the show and he starts the show and he's like welcome everybody to courtney's comedy club we are so happy that you're here thank you you know all the standard stuff keep your talking down cell phones bathrooms over there he goes our first comedian tonight and i was like what the hell like nothing just right into me wow so i went on stage and i did my 30 minutes and uh, you know, obviously it was a little tough Because there was no buffer on the front Oh, wow I got done and I was like, thank you, goodnight And he goes up there and he does a couple more announcements And then he does 25 minutes Oh my gosh And then he, you know, does a different announcement And then he brings the headliner on stage So, I was like I I, I didn't even think about it at first Like, I thought maybe that was there was something weird about that early show Like yeah, maybe somebody was in the crowd that wanted to see him or whatever. But so that was a s- standard deal. Though. Yeah, I just I like gave him some slack. So then he did the late show, and did the exact same thing. So he left, and me and the headliner were sitting there, and the headliner's like, "Listen, I don't because the run you- was uh, you'd go to Brookings and then Grand Forks, and then you would go to Moorhead." Okay so me and the headliner had worked together two nights before we got to Fargo and he was like, I don't know if I feel, I don't know if I really want this guy doing 25 minutes in front of me, he's like I like you, I like what you do, I think you're a good setup for me, and Fred was just a whole whole different you know uh, his act was completely different from mine Yeah. so when Fred came in (laughs) I'll never forget so Fred comes in on Saturday, and he comes in the back. And Courtney's had been open for a while before we got there, and maybe like six months, okay. eight months. And I, get the fe- I got the feeling that once we started to talk to him about the structure of the show, that he had heard this before. <laughs> the other comics coming through had probably already voiced their concerns. Yeah. Because the headliner goes... Fred, can I talk to you a second about the uh, show structure? And he didn't even let him ask. He just fucking blew up on him. He goes, listen, assholes, okay? This is my show. They come here for me. I do my 25 in the middle. And don't give me shit about it. And he just walks away. And we were both like, wow, all right. I guess
1: that's just how the structure of the show goes. So do you have any idea? Was he just doing the same... 30 minutes 25 or 30 minutes every week well no I guess he was using it as a platform
0: to like write new material because they had regulars so he had to he had to keep writing new stuff and doing new stuff but he just wanted his 25 minutes in the middle to be the guy like he he didn't want to go off the top yeah because you know it'd be difficult well yeah as it always is for the MC, anyways, wow, so then, in the end, I feel like, I feel like Fred and the, and the, and the uh, hotel started going back and forth, and I think that's when Al came into, came into his position, because he was, I think, working for the hotel, but was doing comedy, and was interested in comedy, and and they were like, we're tired of this Fred guy. And, you know, like, maybe you could take over. And yep. I don't know how it all went down, but then it shifted over. And now, of course, um, it's that that comedy club has went through, like, nine different bookers. And that, now it doesn't yeah, exist anymore. Yeah. The,
1: the last, uh, yeah, the last that, so, so, in my remembrance of it, when it first started, it was pretty awesome because we would get free tickets from the radio station, right? and and uh, I remember it going. To, it was great for a long time. Oh there. gosh, yeah, I remember going to, to to. So the first iteration of it was was just fantastic, um, and I don't know anything about it from from Fred Bevel because whenever he took it over, yeah, I had left Fargo in 19, 1997.
0: Oh shit yeah so Fred, Fred taking over God I would say it was probably like oh five maybe '06, oh, okay. yeah like that that late yeah, it was kind of sad.
1: It was a sad sad day when that place went down well no because yeah because because uh, I I remember when I started doing comedy Muller's had it. And then, yeah. and then there was the... the because every time that the, the ownership of that hotel chain changed, um, they would have a different kind of a deal. Yeah. Well, the, shitt- the
0: shittiest part about the Booker battles in the Midwest, and I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but I feel like it was either Hanson or Doug and Dana... It probably wasn't Doug and Dana because Doug and Dana were the ones that uh, uh, were the new guys coming in. So I wasn't talking to them. It was probably Mueller or Hanson. But basically what was happening in the Midwest was like Hanson and Muller would have like six day runs through the Midwest. And they were just really good at selling places on doing Wednesday comedy. Or a yeah. Thursday comedy, or Tuesday comedy. because yeah. you know when you think comedy, you think Friday or Saturday. Right. We're doing a Friday or Saturday, but there's only so many places I can do Friday and Saturday, and then it's like you got to finesse these other places yeah. to do a Thursday or a Wednesday, so you can add it on to the weekend. Right. So you can get these guys to come in. So Muller and Hansen would have these. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, even Tuesday through Saturdays. Yeah. And the new guys would come in and it was like the same MO. They would they would scout out the routes and then they would go to the Wednesday room and be like, Hey, if you come with us, we'll cut our prices and you can do comedy on Saturday. You'll make more money. And that's how like the whole Midwestern like routing comedy scene just got destroyed. And I'm not faulting them for what they did, yeah. you know, it just sucks for comedians, because that run, <clears throat> that Courtney's run, used to be Tuesday through Saturday. Wow. And it used to pay, like, to feature, it paid, like, a thousand dollars. Wow. And it just, you know, funny business came in and took Aberdeen and Brookings away, and then... Uh, I think Grand Forks changed hands a bunch of times. I don't know, but it just kind of sucks.
1: Yeah, because because I mean now there's nothing in Fargo. Yeah, uh, which is which is unfortunately Sing, Sing
0: incredible. Falls and Fargo are just so interesting to me because they're just like the graveyard of comedy clubs. I just yeah. don't know why a club. Can't exist and survive in either of those markets. Well,
1: I, I think St. Cloud is another one. Yeah, St. Cloud is a uh, a pretty good, the one the one thing in St. Cloud that's uh, constant is the owners have that Benton Station room and but that and, place is shit. Yeah, it is. It um, is literally, we're just the warm up for whatever band
0: is coming yeah, you're right. after us. You're
1: right. And
0: thought, I, well, I don't, I don't know, know how many people buy tickets for the comedy show just so they can get a good seat to whatever band is yeah. after
1: us. So, or and I think and and, and this was uh, this has happened in other places that I've been at. If you come in and buy a ticket to the comedy show, you could just stay in, uh, yeah. and it's cheaper than than paying the cover for the band. Uh, that was oh that was a case when we were out on that treble run out in no. Idaho Falls. Yeah. Here's a funny story about Benton Station.
0: So Benton Station was like the last gig me and Cocozello did on the last uh, Stoner and the Fat Man tour we did. And on the road we were constantly listening to the Opie and Anthony show. Oh, yeah, And it just so happened to be October. So they were doing that Jocktober thing where they were making fun of local radio stations. So we were just like all jacked up about this Jocktober and we were just talking about it all the time. So we get to this Benton Station thing, and the radio guy is the one that's hosting the show. Yeah. So we're back there, and we're whatever, and the radio guy shows up, and he's like, "Hey, I'm from such and such radio station, whatever." And we just instinctively, because we had just been living Jacktober for a month, we were like, we're like, "Oh man, what do you think about this what do you think about this opening anthy guy in the Jacktober?" And his face just went like fuchsia because <laughs> they had attacked. His radio station, like oh, man. two weeks ago. Oh man! And he goes, "Those motherfucking guys."
1: I was like, "Oh boy, we just opened Pandora's box on this one." Oh man, it's it's uh yeah, it's amazing to me. Uh, all the I can only imagine what these long runs were like because. You know, at this point for me as a as a middle act, it's well I mean, since the it's, last time I talked with you, I can't <laughs> I certainly can't make a living doing it because I can't get booked enough. No um, yeah.
0: it's like a skeleton ship out there now. Yeah. To try to piece anything together. And I, I feel like the last podcast I did I was just talking a lot with the other comic about diversifying Cause it's just like impossible, especially as a feature act, almost impossible to make a living touring on the road yeah. as a comedian. You have to come up
1: with other revenue streams, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like like wiping old guys' butts. Well, yeah. It's a it. revenue stream. Well, and a urine stream. <laughs> <laughs> I just... It's just funny because I do. Uh, I talk about this... When I'm on stage, I, I work for Visiting Angels. I'm very lucky because Shannon and Tommy Thompson took over the family business. And so I get to work for two guys that are comics who are very flexible with me. So if I do get something booked, they let me go. That's amazing. I mean, it's and people have asked me, well, geez, because I drive 40 miles to go and work with my guy, yeah. um, which it, 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 people say, well, why don't you work down by your house? Because that 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 trade-off, that ability to be flexible, is worth that to me. Because if I get, like, for example, um, next week I am booked at Danbury. Um, what? Yes, I was telling you, it's, a, it's very fancy. <clears throat> but the nice part about that is that I can go up there, do that show, and then and then go down and, and do it in April. I'm working down in Hard Rock again on Wednesday with Don Reese. Well, I just tell Shannon and Tommy, "Hey, I need that off." They're like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah. So that's a, that's I that, I couldn't get that if I worked for somebody that wasn't a comic. Yeah, that's for sure. How are things going otherwise, Jeff? <laughs> oh, they're great. It's funny. I tell, I always tell, tell, tell my brother, I says, "Well, yeah." So I've been uh, and you have actually, a brother. Oh, I got a brother and four sisters. What? Yeah. What do you think? I was just hatched and and wandering aimlessly. I thought you were just the guy. No, well, I am the guy. But, uh... What does uh, your brother do? He owns a resort in Alexandria, Minnesota. Get out of here. Yep, eight cabins. Woodland Resort. Uh, please. It is fantastic. It's, uh... It's... Why doesn't he do comedy? Why would he? (laughs) He'd rather make money. (laughs) He'd rather Are have. Are you saying
0: that that money that comedy is not a money maker
1: <laughs> at the resorts? Let's in Alexandria. let's let's put let's put it this way. I sold three shirts yesterday uh, for for a grand total. Don't of, brag. Uh, shut up, you. For a grand total, of sixty dollars. Uh, Woo! For that sixty dollars, I'm like, I am excited. And my brother's like, I wipe my ass with sixty <laughs> dollars. Well, I sell sixty dollars worth of fucking minnows. Oh, a, 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 in a day, you can do take th- that. Do you think you're in as well? Oh no, because he's—I'm the oldest. I'll, be, oh. I'll no, dude. I'll be—I'll be dead <laughs> long before anybody else in. in fact, I'll probably be dead before my mom is. Oh, oh John. Oh, I just, it's okay. The, 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 the legacy this that is I have. a happy podcast. John. I know, I'm having a great time. The legacy, I think about the legacy that I will leave in the comedy world, they'll be like, eh. Genres? Eh. Oh, that, yeah, was that that fucking Ben Franklin guy? Yeah, eh, well, he was well, hacky. That's just what I was saying
0: last night that it's just like one of the things that drives me insane is that, that you don't get more work. And I think it's based, like we said, purely based on your age. And you're not one of those, like, Minneapolis hipster comics, you know. Yeah. It's like, a, a show like that. Can you imagine if I brought, insert, you know, hipster Minneapolis comic <sighs> name here. Yeah. They would they would have died a death up there. Those people would have looked at him like they were gutting a cat. I just, I don't understand It's like, well, I, I understand the idea of, like, trying to be trendy and trying to catch the eye of, like, the Comedy Central's and the Laughing Skulls and the, you know, those those avenues to, like, the Netflix special and all that kind of stuff. But just everyday comedy show with, like... 30 to 50-year-old working-class people, like, you're the perfect fit for that, and, and why they don't put you in there is insane.
1: Well, I don't know. I have my own theories. Um, part, of, part of those theories are that, that some of the bookers want to be the one that discover new talent. Oh, yeah. um, and that's fine. I, I understand that. We're discoverable. And, well, yeah. I mean, but I'll <laughs> tell you what. I've and God love all the bookers that give me work because I I, I appreciate it very much. But there have been sometimes where I get sent out with, and I and I think almost that they know what's going on. Where I get sent out with guys that are just starting to headline. And I think I get sent out because they don't want it to be a totally shit show. Wow.
0: Okay.
1: You know? They I mean, I you to test them? I don't know if they want to get tested, but I, I know that I've been in a lot of places where a, somebody that hasn't headlined very much goes up after me and doesn't... He can't follow me. And I'm not saying that in a braggy way because, you know, yeah. it's just... When, You're a solid act.
0: Like, you... You do the road. You write material, and you know you. I
1: don't know. It just well. Uh, let's not harp on this. I'd rather talk about me dying than than <laughs> this. This is to me. Well, then let's talk about last night's show. Oh, what! Hey. A sh-
0: oh, what a show that was! What a show that was! That like, I've, did I've I, never did I've... seen a lady laugh more oh hysterically my God. before you doing the. Uh, animal impersonations. The animal impersonations. It was, it was pretty funny. I mean, God, she wouldn't shut up, but it was awesome. I just, I couldn't get over the, the smoke. I just, it well, yeah. just permeated everything in that place. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, oh. I mean, we're coming up on a, on a McDonald's and a gas station, and that usually signals the end yeah. of the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Any final notes, Johnny? Nope. Uh. Boy, if you're listening to this podcast and you know me, that's enough for me. Book Johnny Russell. What the hell's wrong? A few people. Well, the people that listen to the podcast probably aren't booking anything. <laughs> I mean, God love them. Yeah. But I mean, and I know, and it, it, they're it, probably it, trying to get booked themselves. Well, exactly. And the other part is that if there is a booker that is listening to your podcast they probably are already booking me on stuff yeah and i appreciate that very much i'm not <laughs> complaining i love it and in fact since we're at mcdonald's i'm loving it <laughs> well you can always get this podcast at
0: podbean itunes and stitcher check out markpulos.com the new built website my new cd Husband, Father, Idiot comes out in April on iTunes. And tune in next time when we talk about who knows.